1: And everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's right. It is a Saturday night live reaction show. We are going to be bringing this to you every single week of the season, and it starts with week zero. I've got Tom Fernelli right there. I've got Barton Simmons right there. I'm Chip Patterson. And, gentlemen, uh, it was uh, it was ah college football game it was <laughs> a one that actually does count for the wins and losses it does count for the college football playoff race uh it is florida 24 miami 20 uh, lots to get into there we are recording this for the listeners uh, as hawaii currently holds a 14 7 lead yes 14-7 right. lead against Arizona. If that gets continues to get out of hand, we will give you updates along the way that you will, of course, know because you're probably listening to this on Sunday morning. So, uh, Barton, first, what, how does it feel to be underway in the 2019 college football season?
2: Oh, it it feels, feels amazing to bathe in that glorious slop that was the <laughs> Florida-Miami game. I mean, that was perfect. That was exactly the way I wanted a lock unity hit. That's right. uh, So that's most important. And not only did it hit, but it hit with just a beautiful sweat. Um, and it was, it was sloppy. It was, there was trash talking. There was stupid plays. There was big plays. Um, you know, there's going to be better games played this year. But uh, for, for a kickoff to the stupid sport we love, uh, I, I was all about it.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't enjoy the hell out of that mm-hmm. game. But that game was also the perfect example of why I don't like having these major matchups in the first week of the season. Because mm-hmm. week one or week zero, whatever we're calling this one. That's typically, you know, teams aren't really ready yet. They're not, you know, you're not settled in and you typically see teams lose games more than you see them win them at this point of the season. And it's just to have a matchup like that between, you know, two rivals, two, you know, an AC, a threat in the ACC, a threat in the SEC, to have them play on the opening night where nobody knows how to tackle, nobody knows what they're doing yet. Oh, and the game was moved up a week too. Let's not forget that. Right. <laughs> Just I I hate seeing it, but like I said at the start, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it anyway.
0: See, Tom, I'm on the other side of this. I think that the stakes ultimately for Florida and Miami are low enough that this sloppiness was glorious because uh, Florida could have lost that game, and it would think you know we would have had overreactions here, and and Florida. Twitter would have melted down. Sure. But I I think that they could have gone on and with their SEC schedule, if they win the SEC East, you've accomplished everything that you want to accomplish this year. I think Miami, even losing this game, you've got uh, good takeaways for Jaron Williams and you could still go and win the Coastal show up in the ACC championship game and you've accomplished your goals for the season. Like Florida and Miami, like, yes, they are rivals, but I would contend that they're not rivals enough that I feel like I want to see both teams at full strength and all click- clicking on all cylinders. Like I-, I think it really clicked for me when uh, when they kept showing the crowd shots at Camping World Stadium where I was like, oh, yeah, this is as Florida as it gets. This is exactly what I want on August 24th.
1: We did not have to wait long for our very first surrender, Cobras. I
0: know. Well, when you've got five, when you've got five combined turnovers in the game, four of them on the side of the Gators, who had a majority of the fan base, uh, it was uh, it was pretty outrageous. Um, all right, so uh, how do we want to cut into this first? I I would say, do you think open open question for the floor? Do you think that Dan Mullen leaves this game trusting Felipe Franks more or less? than he did going into week one.
2: Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, do you remember all the... like? I've had this discussion a lot in this offseason, in this eternal offseason. Uh, hey, Felipe Franks like got some of the damn Mullen dust sprinkled on him and looked better last year. And, oh, what if the next step... In the Felipe Franks progression is is sort of uh, average SEC quarterback to uh, to high level SEC quarterback, elite college football quarterback. Uh, this was very definitively just average Felipe Franks, if that. Like there was there was no trust in this game from Dan Mullen in the way they called it. They barely went down the field. That Felipe Franks looked like. Like a guy, they've got to sort of try to 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 win in spite of this year, and all the while he's over there uh, talking junk to the sidelines. <laughs> to the camera, to the camera.
1: Like, dude, have you been watching yourself in this game?
2: I mean, oh man, that was that 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 it was the it was so much like the irony of it for me is if I look at that game. I thought clearly the quarterback I would trust more in on a on an equal footing is Jaron Williams. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The guy whose first start of his career. I mean,
1: that was honestly, as far as Miami's concerned, that's my biggest takeaway from the game, other than that front seven is still very good because you know there was there was a cane in every gap just about all night. But Jaron Williams to me was pretty much under fire the entire game. He was sacked 10 times. I was having flashbacks to 13-year-old Tom at right tackle the summer before freshman year high school when he's had to go against the varsity in a scrimmage because I had no prayer. And that's what I saw when I was watching (laughs) Miami's tackles tonight. But Jaron Williams, despite all of that, a redshirt freshman getting hit every other play, under pressure every play, never really panicked. He had some bad throws, but he didn't pay for them. It was just... He kept his calm for the entire game, and at the end, Miami was in a chance to win the game, and he had a chance to lead him on a game-winning drive. And I feel like if I'm Miami, I'm upset I lost the game, but I'm feeling really good about Jaron Williams going forward. I mean, Barton, I that's your guy. Like
0: you, you want to, you want to step forward now that he's had his first uh, collegiate start.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very excited. That that Jaren Williams is looking like uh, he's going to be a hit. I mean, that would, I guess we shouldn't go overboard, but he looks good. And and I think in some ways, if you take Martell, you got to be feel a little better about this. Like at least the guy that beat you out didn't go out there and suck. Like you, <laughs> now you can maybe hold your head high as you head out there and, and play slot receiver. Um, I was texting with what one of my text threads I had going in the game was like, man. If someone was like, if Tate Martell is out here at slot receiver in like absolute nut-cutting time, what does that say about the rest of the receiving room? He's been playing the position for a week. Um, but nonetheless, I think um, the fact that that Jaron Williams had a pretty good day is, is, is good for Miami, good for Jaron, good for Tate.
0: But there has to be a limit at which we stop for uh creating this like a moral victory because for Miami football like the the moral victory was being 10 and 0 in late November and the the, you know the moral victory was showing up to the ACC championship game even though you couldn't move the ball so like uh if if we're going to keep following that a little bit further I, I thought that obviously the offensive line was just an absolute dumpster fire Awful. and 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 how much of that do we attribute to you know new coaching staff or just the fact that it's youth like literally like freshmen redshirt freshmen sophomores that are in some of these positions you know what you know where do we go where do we stop in saying to Miami hey you know what like that was that was really good and when do we start being able to press them in a place where uh, the Hurricanes are going to be able to be scrutinized because, like, it does feel a little bit like for Miami, we've been in, uh, we've been over anxious to give the moral victories because we want the Hurricanes to be a big part of college football once again. And I wonder just a little bit if this was Florida playing down and what Miami needs to do to be able to elevate itself so that it is going to be a better program better team uh moving forward
2: yeah this this could have very well be, been a blowout if miami just wasn't so dang good at recovering fumbles
1: miami fumble <laughs> luck is a real thing <laughs> there were five fumbles tonight miami recovered four
2: of them <laughs> and and it, so there were five fumbles that were that were Turnovers, Or are you saying that, that – does that include no, just, the ones that they, that they that hit the ground that they recovered to their own? Five overall fumbles, and they got wow. on top of four of them. Although, Man, one it of them like they than did, that. didn't get on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I, I think – yeah, like the, it feels like we're going on a few years now. Like why does Miami have to have a true freshman offensive like left tackle? Like why is Jabari Zuniga – Going one on one with a true freshman left tackle at crunch time in a game, like do, that's that is a problem with this year's team, and it's not an excuse. It's like that's that's a problem that that is that Miami has created for themselves that they don't have a better answer for that. I, the Zion Nelson kid is probably going to be a really good player at some point, but it's gonna, it's a long way away for right now. Yeah. Well
1: here's the good news. We, you know, the offensive lines problem. We talked about Williams, but that defense, as I alluded to earlier, I mean, they held Florida to, if you take out, you know, the sack, the sacks and the sack yardage, they held, they still held Florida to 2.3 yards per carry tonight. So that defense is still very good from the looks of it, particularly in the front seven. And this was also a team that, you know, they had dudes suspended before the game. They only had four scholarship cornerbacks on the roster tonight. And Florida still really couldn't do anything against him in the passing game, except for that one 65-yard pass to Hammond in the fourth quarter that set it up. But before that, they just done a fantastic job of limiting that Florida offense. So I feel like, it's I, I, I again, I don't want to verge into the moral victory thing you were talking about, Chip, but I do feel like Miami has a lot to feel good about coming from this game. It's just, no, they're not... You know, th- if this isn't going to fly in the ACC, you're not beating Clemson if you play like that. You're probably not winning the Coastal if you play like that all season. But there was a lot of good stuff, I think, to take away from it. And there was a lot of, you know, stuff with Florida, frankly, that was more concerning to me than anything I saw with Miami other than their offensive line because Florida can't tackle. I don't know what the hell they were doing out there.
0: Uh, okay. Well, how much of that are you going to attribute? Uh, our friend Robbie Calland mentioned this. And as soon as he did it, it sort of clicked with me. And uh, I will I will lean on uh, our our hand in the dirt expert Barton Simmons. Uh, I don't how sweaty did things get at New Haven, Connecticut? Because I imagine trying to tackle somebody in Orlando, Florida, on August twenty fourth, just getting your hands around them has to be a little bit tougher.
2: I don't know, man. I mean, th- there was uh, that to me wasn't just slippery. No, that 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 looked to me like mm-hmm. like that was. That was not what. I mean, I've seen. There's been a lot of. Uh, I've seen Miami, Florida State play in Week One, or you know, and and it, 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 they were, they weren't having a hard time holding on to people. Like, th- there's that game was a lot softer than I anticipated it being. Ooh, th- there was a there was there was guys supporting the run that didn't look like they really were were fully committed and invested to me like there was uh there were some guys spanking on someone else making tackles like th- th- there were some moments don't get me wrong like there were some moments in that game and some really good plays and some really good players i mean the jonathan Grenard kid out of louisville is that that's a
0: superstar
2: revelation yeah for florida um trey dean i thought was awesome i thought he was he was physical every time that um, every time he was in a position to 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 uh, attack somebody, he did. Uh, but I, but but just, I, I felt like that that was not gonna cut it. I mean, what what if you get in the SEC East if you go play Georgia or LSU or I just don't know if that's gonna cut it. So I, I do have some concerns about Florida. I think with, I think the difference here is is where the expectations are. Like I, I wonder where Miami fans are at. Really like. Relative to their expectations, um, Florida like Florida fans' expectations were like we should be a dark horse playoff team, you know, and that's not what I saw. That's I saw a team that is gonna need to get better to be the second best team in the East.
0: And offensively, you take away the sixty-five yard play to Hammond and the sixty-six yard play to Tony, uh, the touchdown to Tony, and all of a sudden you're. You're looking at uh again. You didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and credit to Miami, right? Like we we are agreeing this this front seven is uh, it shouldn't be weird that they do their job considering they're like mostly juniors and seniors that have come up with Manny Diaz as their defensive coordinator, like to lock them in all the way through. But uh, but still, even within that context, it just you know, and you mentioned it at the top of the show. Just the way that Dan Mullen called the game—it's like, wow! Like for for all the things that you can do on paper, whether it's Kadarius Tony, whether it's Tyree Cleveland or LeMichael Pirine, like uh, you can start circling all these different skill players, and you can start thinking, like, wow! If Felipe Franks does get that Dan Mullen dust on him, then then man, this could really be an explosive offense, but. There was just really nothing, uh, nothing about tonight for Florida offensively that gave me confidence that they're going to be a group that's going to be able to go in and uh, and and overpower and dominate. Opponents. It seems that when we get into those games against LSU, Auburn, Georgia, uh, even Florida State at the end of the season, uh, it it is going to be more of these games that are decided in the 20s, not ones where Florida's offense is so imposing and overwhelming
1: that they're going to be able to make life easy on the defense. Was it the Dan Mullen dust calling that passing play late in the game?
2: That was that. Yes, that's exactly what that was. Loos was best. That? that is a damn like Dan Mullen is uh, it's his it's his greatest gift and curse probably in some regards like because the fake arrogance. the fake punt goes with it. Yeah, right for sure. Right at the I top mean, he, of the game. He, Dan Mullen is usually the smartest guy in the in the room. He's usually the smartest guy on the field and he always thinks he's the smartest guy on the field. And that was a great example of just, Hey dude, just run the dang ball. Um, but I, I, back to what you were talking about, about the, you know, like I wrote this down, uh, as I was watching it, it's like, it feels like, it feels like Florida's, um, all this talent on the perimeter, all this skill talent that we've been hearing all this about was like deweaponized in this game. Yeah. Like, that, like at, at what point in the game did you feel like oh, you know Van Jefferson is dangerous in this God, spot or like Trevon, watch out Grimes. For Trevon Grimes? Yes, or, yes, yes. You know, yeah. so it, it was. It's this weird and like literally Van Jefferson's biggest impact in the game. He made an impact in the game. It was as a gunner on punt return, <laughs> punt, <Yeah>. punt, <laughs> punt coverage. Um, so that's that is just. I wonder if that's just going to be. What we have all year is hey, we're playing this sort of single wing offense with Felipe Franks and uh, receivers are going to be the you know complementary to it.
1: Yeah, Jefferson and Grimes combined five targets, two catches, 24 yards. You know who led the team in targets tonight? Lamical P. Ryan. When you're wow. running backs, when you're running backs, getting twice as many targets as anybody else on the offense. I feel like that's a lack of faith in your line, a lack of faith in your quarterback.
2: Mm. that's why so, that's, all
1: right. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. no. I I, I you, you can finish your thought if you have, but but I guess w- w- I want to direct us to the like All right. We, we're dogging Florida a lot right now. They did win the game. Oh yeah. So what so what is so what what is the What's the positive view here for Florida?
1: That pass rush is really good. Yeah. Uh but r- I um,
0: mean, uh, Grinnard for sure. Grenard.
1: and then, Fra- I mean, Franks, you got the full Franks experience. There are dumb plays, and like, I mean, we talk about Mullen calling that pass, which was stupid to begin with, but the fact Franks made that throw was even worse. It's like at some point, you got to realize the play is lost, you're not going to win. I do like that Mullen also went for it on fourth down four times and got you know converted all four times, Yeah, they had 10 sacks, that was awesome, they had 16 tackles for loss, this is a very disruptive defense, but we also can't overlook the fact that they had 9 penalties for 100 yards, and if Miami didn't have 14 penalties of its own, maybe Florida doesn't win this game by 4 points, you know what I mean? So, I feel like if you're a Florida fan you're happy you got the win, but you're, there's more to be upset about than there's to be happy with other than, hey, we got the win, we'll take it, but there's a lot we gotta work on
2: yeah, I, I think, um, so they had the fumble early in the game, um, or in the first half, just like the exchange in the red zone. Um, the turnovers, you almost could look at it as a positive, like clean that up and, and that's helpful. There was a couple of phantom pass interference penalties. Those that, were awful
1: calls. Yeah.
2: I, that, that, listen, let that crew tonight was bad. Just yeah. plain bad. Um, yeah so I guess, I guess if the, like the positive view on this is Dan Mullen still really knows how to coach. Uh, like there are times like I, I thought in the first half they look like clearly the better team. And then they just never really, they never really took it from Miami in the second half. Obviously they still won, but they never really stepped on their throat. It, it was just a, uh, they were very much on the same plane. Um, but I thought that – but, you know, like, ultimately this is a team that you iron a lot of these things out, you get better. Like, I could see this team improving um, pretty easily and and the product improving significantly. Um, so I, th- I think that this is still going to be a tough out for teams. I just they, – they, it's just clear they got to get better. What to
0: expect from Florida in the SEC and an update from Hawaii and Arizona next
2: At halftime yeah, like, or after
0: the game? After
2: the game. Oh no! What do you say? I
0: I think it was. It's more of a. It's it's more of an observation than a specific quote that rang out to me. It was uh, he was talking about the defense a lot. He was talking about all the mistakes. Uh, Dan Mullen mentioned how excited he was to get to coach up. You know, he was like, we get we we put a lot of things on film that we can coach on you know, do, doing that kind of thing. And then Maria Taylor's like, Felipe Franks is working his way over here. You know, what can you say about him? Dan Mullins' tone changed from the excitement that he had about his defense. And Dan <laughs> Mullins' tone was more along the lines like, well, yeah, I mean, of course, Felipe's good. I mean, if he just, you know, cleans up some of his act, you know, his, and, and as Felipe got closer to him, his – his tone again got a little bit more lighthearted and he was like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah," And you know, Pat's Felipe on the, on, uh, on the back. But of course, as he's patting Felipe on the back, Felipe is not looking at Dan Mullen. He's looking at the camera and giving a grin because he's been a camera hog all night. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just, I, I don't know if that's something that can be cleaned up and I, listen, Felipe Franks can change, uh, his, he, he can change the way that he behaves, uh, between the hash marks and around the sidelines and over the sidelines and in front of the fans and all those things. But I can just say that in uh, Barton, didn't we talk about Felipe Franks in this way where it's like, I just have a lot of documented observations that suggest that Felipe Franks is a little bit short of, uh, of being the kind of player who's going to be uh, all business. How about that? It's very personal. Like I, like him looking in the camera and being like, "I told y'all not to doubt me." I like I'm like, "All right, okay, bud, okay, and he, pal."
2: And he said that like when there was like like six minutes left in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, he did not seek out the camera after he threw that interception late.
2: <laughs> this Felipe Franks, like, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling this Felipe Franks like full on heel turn though. <laughs> Like, <laughs> just bring it to me. Like, just WWE it all the way through, Felipe. Like, all these other, you know, SEC quarter. Like, the SEC, you got Tua, you got From, you got um, Burrow. Uh, you know, Bur- Burrow's probably, that's the game right there. LSU-Florida. Because Burrow can, can dig in and lean into the, the WWE uh, talk as well. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm anxious for that one to see those two yapping back and forth.
1: Yeah, I want to be clear with Franks. It's like I'm I'm, I'm giving him crap for it. But if, if that's what you need to do to get yourself fired up to play, then do it. I don't care. It's just at times when it's go, when it's going on. It's like, come on. It's a little extra sometimes, but
0: right. And, and my and again, my issue is the clear disconnect between Felipe Franks and what Felipe Franks wants to bring to this world and uh, and Dan Mullen what he would like out of a Dan Mullen quarterback.
1: Hey, he wants. He wants Tebow and Nick Fitzgerald he wants, to shut up and hit people. Oh, he wants
0: Dak. That's what he wants. He he wants yes sir, no sir, Dak. Absolutely.
2: So, um, question for you guys: Do you think, having watched that game now, would you like Miami will or will not win the division?
0: Will will absolutely.
2: Really. Tom. not
0: a, not absolutely but that I am confident that that was my pick on our expert picks and I am I am feeling just as confident as I was before if not more
1: yeah I picked them Tom, to win the division yeah. too so I'm not I'm not backing off it off of that game I just think and we talked me and Chip talked about this too it's they're, they're a flawed team but it's just there are so many dudes on that team and you I feel like if you look at them lined up against anybody else in the coastal in any week they're by far the more talented team than anybody they're facing. So I feel like that's going to, you know, over the long haul, I feel like that should push them to the top. Not that I think they're going to, you know, go 8-0 or easily win the division. They're probably going to lose two or three ACC games. I just think in the end they'll still be the best team in that division.
2: All right. So, but can, can I add this to, your, to the equation here? Is the fact that this was the ultimate, like, get up, national spotlight hype game and you you know damn well that there's going to be a couple of Saturday 11 a.m. games or, uh, or or just sleepy Duke Stadium games. I don't even know how they play at Duke, but like they they're going to slip up a couple times too when they're not as emotionally invested as they are in a rivalry game on week zero. I I look I, I think Miami is gonna is about what I like they are about what i thought they were after watching that and i did not pick them to win the the coastal um and i still don't think they're going to win the coastal
0: uh i would challenge that the 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 get upness is definitely real but the get upness also worked backwards for those young offensive linemen like they will they will get better they're not going to be as week zero as they looked during the I mean, there might have been seven false starts. It's fourteen penalties, right in total.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only the only get up Miami's offensive line got was letting Florida's defensive ends get up field.
0: But but I mean, there's just there <laughs> there ain't a Florida in the ACC Coastal. That's no. kind of where I come back to, and I'm like, they like it was a dumb game. It was a dumb game on all sides of it, and Miami was right there, and Miami had a chance to win, and they dumbed it up in a dumb game. But there ain't a Florida in the ACC Coastal. Miami has dudes, and I think that it's probably like you said, Tom. It's probably going to be six and two or five and three with the right head-to-head win, the way that I'm projecting it. It ain't eight. No, it ain't even seven and one. There's there's definitely a dumb loss and conference play out there, but they just they're just so much more talented on paper that I, I think that some of the offensive line issues with time and experience can get cleaned up. And I think about, you know, Shaq Quarterman who came up with a fumble that might not have been a fumble because I swore number 66 fell on it, but you know, whatever, but like all those seniors and juniors that are on that defense and in that locker room, I think that my bet on Miami is a bet on the veteran leadership that's there. And that has been impactful
2: here for a couple of years.
1: Breaking news, Cole McDonald just threw his third interception of the night.
2: I was gonna say, speaking of dumb dumb plays, like <laughs> there's there we got a game going on right now where Cole McDonald is three interceptions deep in the first half and they're winning twenty one fourteen. And yeah, he's got three touchdowns
1: and three interceptions while he's twenty one for twenty eight. <laughs> so half his <laughs> incompletions have pretty much been picks. It's a beautiful game.
0: Beautiful game. Um. All right. So, what about for? Uh. All right. So we we've set the the Miami stage. So for Florida, do you see, uh, a path where Florida is able to win the SEC East?
1: Is Jake Fromm healthy?
0: So you're betting on other quarterbacks being hurt.
1: I, I from what I saw tonight, it's I'm not you can't eliminate them from the East, but I mean I I picked Georgia to win. I think Georgia's the favorite in that division, but based on what I saw tonight, it's hard to imagine Florida doing better than Georgia over the course of the season. But at the same time, Georgia's got an advantage because we haven't seen Georgia play. Georgia might come out next week and look like butt two. So I there's there's still a ton of talent on that team. I think they're in somewhat of a similar situation as Miami where they've got a really young offensive line too. So maybe that line matures and improves as the season goes along. But the difference is while Miami's not going to have to go against Florida defensive front sevens all season long, Florida's going to be going against SEC front sevens all season long. So they really can't afford to take a long time to gel and come together. And Felipe Franks, needs to play better overall than he did tonight, and they need to find a little more. They need, they need to utilize their receive, their weapons at receiver more, I think, going forward. But I, I think that they're still probably the second-best team in the East, yeah.
2: So, I mean, look, the, the reality here is Florida just played a sloppy game and not their best football and still survived against a team you guys think is going to win the Coastal. So they're going to be okay. And and I think the other thing about it is like one thing we haven't talked about right now is that Florida's offensive line sucks because I didn't think Florida's offensive line sucked. Like they, they were perfect, but like Miami's offensive line was the glaring problem in that game. And – Florida's offensive line is Florida's question mark going into the season, and I thought that they played okay. I mean, for the most part, and so that I think is encouraging. If you just sort of looking at, all right, like what are what are the the things Florida had to prove tonight? Like they had to prove their their, their offensive line could be competent. I think they proved that, um, and the rest, you know, if you're a Florida fan, you hope can fall into place. So. So, like, as as much as I don't think this game showed us showed me much to tell me, to give me confidence that Florida will win the East, I'm not going to sit here and say they can't.
0: Do you think that some? Uh, I mean, this is where we always get tough. Is like, you know, we're overanalyzing, and and we're going to continue to you know over scrutinize all these things. But yeah, this
2: will be the most in, improperly analyzed game of the year. For because sure. Because it's like us us like trying to, to to place meaning on things that were just week zero dumb dumb stuff
0: but i mean i mean dan mullen was trying to get the ball out of felipe's hands like there was a <laughs> lot of just sort of like uh the the long toss a lot of like quick pitches a lot of short passes i think, I think they
2: threw like three passes like vertical of 10 yards
0: yeah yeah I just, I mean, so I'm with you in that Florida's offensive line didn't look bad, but given the plays that were called, I'm not ready to come out of this game and say that Florida's offensive line is not a liability.
1: Yeah. The good news is Florida's offensive line went against one of the most disruptive defensive lines in the country last season, only gave up one sack. There were only six tackles for loss. The bad news is, as I mentioned earlier, not including sack yardage, Florida managed to rush for 2.3 yards per carry. So they were able to not give up sacks or get beat in the backfield, but some of that had to do with the play calling and the plays they were running. And as far as running the ball, they weren't able to get any push. They weren't able to clear space for any of their backs. Like I said earlier, there was a cane in every gap all night long, and they really weren't able to find a lot of space that way. And that, to me, is a concern. So it, it was a mixed bag, I think, overall. I, I think that they performed better than Miami's offensive line by a lot, but I didn't see anything there watching them that I thought, oh, okay, this is good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't – yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think they were good either. I guess I, I had – like in the worst case scenarios for Florida for this season there there was there was a scenario that um that, that entailed a like a really bad offensive line and i think that scenario is not in the cards it might not be good yeah but it's not it's, it's not going to prevent them you know from from putting together a competent offense
1: yeah, it was just it wasn't it was it just wasn't a special offensive line tonight, but it was right. far from bad. Right.
0: I'll say this, you know, and and Barton you mentioned that like to suggest that this Florida team might go 8 and 4 was like driving Florida fans crazy, you know, quick way to get your mentions filled up. Uh Miami's defensive front is uh very much in the same realm and I would argue, you know, like definitely behind Auburn and maybe behind LSU. Like as you start to go through Florida's schedule and you're like, okay, so if you've got to do all these like twists and turns to mitigate what the the one weakness, which again, like props to Dan Mullen, like props to the the coaching and the game planning and understanding that you can't leave that offensive line uh, all alone while Felipe Franks just drops back in a seven step drop and, and doesn't throw the ball to anybody. Like I, I like good job on understanding that we've got to have some, uh, some counters to that, but I, you go down the Florida schedule and you're like, you're going to see a lot more defensive fronts that are very similar to Miami. If you take that kind of conservative game planning all the way through that is not a way for you to end up with like a seven and one or eight and no record in conference play.
2: Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, that's they're they're going to have to they're going to have to get more aggressive, and maybe that's just going to come with more growing confidence as the season progresses, getting more reps. Um, but yeah, that tonight won't, won't cut it.
1: Well, who does Florida play next?
2: Who or where?
1: Who?
0: They play uh, UTM,
1: Tennessee oh, Martin. Franks is, Franks is going to throw for 450 in that game.
0: Okay, so <laughs> does that mean we jump on the other side when they're playing uh, in the big checkout line at Kroger Field <laughs> uh, for a nightcap 7 o'clock on September 14th?
2: Boy, that is that game is fascinating because I have very little confidence in Kentucky, but Florida looks beatable too. So... <sighs>
0: And then it's uh, home against Tennessee, September twenty first. Home against Towson, uh, September twenty eighth. Home so against
1: they, Auburn. They've got about a month to get their stuff together. I mean, that neither the Kentucky—I'm not saying the Kentucky and Tennessee games will be easy. They won't be. I mean, I took the over on Kentucky's win total for this year. I just think that they—they're at least fortunate that they don't get into the real meat of the schedule for another month.
0: Very, very fortunate. Um, all right. So, what's our what's our score update on Hawaii, Arizona?
1: We're currently tied at 21-21 20, with a minute forty-seven. Arizona took Cole's latest interception and marched right downfield and put it in the end zone. Khalil Tate touchdown pass. He's healthy, folks.
2: I did not yeah, this, take the over. This thing is uh, this thing is going to fly past the over. Like this is this game is fortunate that it's only at forty-two. Uh, what, what was the what was the number number seventy three or something? No, it dropped.
1: Yeah, it, it it went down to like seventy two. I think I don't know. I don't have it open in front of me right here.
2: Yeah, this game is gonna be because because Hawaii is just gonna be, um, I mean they're they're gonna be throwing it all over the place, down up, regardless, and they're either gonna throw touchdowns or interceptions. So this is this this over is as good as toast.
0: All right, one half takes is Khalil Tate back? Yes or no?
1: Uh, he's a lot better than he was last year. I mean, he has, here's, here's my favorite thing that we've seen so far. I mean, he's only eight for 13 for 133 yards, two touchdowns and interception, which is somewhat pedestrian. He's also rushed for 61 yards.
2: Uh, We're seeing,
1: yeah, we're, we're seeing Khalil more willing to use his ankle and feet after what he was dealing with those injuries last year.
2: Yeah. But I I do not deem Khalil tape back until he busts off like an 80 yard run. (laughs) <laughs> I need to see. I need to see one of those before I before Khalil Tate is truly 2017 Khalil Tate once again. Yeah,
1: I, he scr- he scrambled for 31 earlier. Well, before uh, that, that,
2: that's, that didn't move the needle for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> before we get out of here, uh, I figured that just for our enjoyment, since it's since it smashed. So we're one
2: one
0: zero.
1: Let's just call it right. for the year and finish the year undefeated, boys.
2: Let's Andrew Luck this thing. <laughs> 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 hey, it's a gr- it's you- a great feeling. I gotta tell you, it's a good. It's gonna be a good year. Any any
0: hot Andrew Luck takes, I'm I'm not as surprised as the rest of the internet seems to be. But it's a Saturday night, so I'm understanding that hyperbole might just be in the sauce.
1: I mean, I'm very much surprised that he announced he's retiring tonight. I'm also not surprised by a lot of the responses we've
2: seen. <laughs> Oh, uh, you mean you guys don't like Doug Gottlieb's response that uh, Andrew Luck is a typical millennial?
1: <laughs> Dan, Dan Dachet jumped on board too. Talked about like working in a steel mill or something. I don't know. It's just yeah. <laughs> It's like my my grandpa worked in a steel mill. He didn't get mentally tired. Well, yeah, your grandpa also didn't have millions of dollars that allow him to travel the world and live a life he wants.
2: Yeah, and uh, if, if and, your grandpa kept working at the steel mill as a millionaire, that would be unfortunate for your grandpa, and it wouldn't be like I. Then that would that'd be concerning. Like he must really hate his family.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if like <laughs> no, I'll
1: just keep working, it's fine.
0: And if your father is a former athletic director who's now an executive in a in the XFL and you went to Stanford and have already done all these things, then yeah, you might be able to, because, because retiring doesn't say that you're done all the way. You're now, you're just done for now. Touchdown Hawaii. The
2: this,
1: toast. <laughs> this thing is gone. Cole McDonald back in the plus column. As far as touchdowns and interceptions are concerned now, four and three. <laughs> Uh, tune in and
0: subscribe so that you can uh, you can hear what ha- happens at the end of uh, Hawaii, Arizona. You won't get it on the CBS Sports app or on CBS Sports HQ. I'm kidding. Of course, you'll get it on CBS Sports HQ, but uh, we will recap you when we return on Monday. That is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, this was the first of many live Saturday Night Reaction podcasts. Thank you very much. Look forward to doing it all
1: year. I think we should do 45 minutes on every game on Saturday night.
2: (laughs) Bring it on.